We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Listen, y'all, the Super Bowl's not till 5.30. So I got till 4.30, and that gives you an hour to get home. Yeah, well, me neither, but, but other people want to, so... Matthew chapter 24. Look with me at verse 42. We're going to read the 42 to the rest of the chapter. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in the day, when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he's not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and upon him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you all remember this game? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready or not, here I come. You remember that game? Matthew 24 is a countdown to the return of Jesus. He gives a countdown to His return. It details various signs that predicate His return in His power and in His glory. In verse 42, He says, Watch therefore. Watch therefore. When we think watch, we think of I'm going to watch a program. I'm going to watch a ball game. I'm going to watch my kids play. I'm going to watch myself catch this fish. We think of all those things of watch, but it's very distinctive what Jesus is saying here. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. It sounds like Jesus is really saying here, ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Matthew's chapter 24 and 25 are known as the Olivet Discourse. If you've done any studying, you You've, if you've gone any commentaries, you'll see how the commentaries address it as such. And it's an address given to Jesus by Jesus to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He's speaking to his disciples here. A lot of times we look at Scripture and because we don't realize to whom he's speaking, then we miss the content of what he's saying. But he's speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and there's a question that they bring up, and they say, what, what's the sign it, they didn't say, what are the signs of thy coming? Not plural. He, they said, what's the sign, singular, of his coming and of the end of the world? And by the way, the Greek word for world here is ehon, a hehon. It means a messianic age. We think of uh, the end of the world as being when this globe we live on self-destructs or God destroys it. or it's, it's a, But that's not the question they were asking. The question they were asking, Jesus, is what is the sign of thy coming and of the end of the messianic age. 
They understood Jesus as Messiah. They believed Him as Messiah. And they understood because He was there as Messiah that He was in the age of being Messiah. The church age is here. Oftentimes we see the word world and we think planet. But Jesus has has posed this question. When are you returning? And what's the sign of the end after you return? Jesus told them about the time of tribulation. We won't go through and read. Jesus speaks in 24 and 25. He talks about the time described by the prophet Daniel in the book of Revelation that lasts seven years. Biblical evidence shows you and I, and again, it's another subject, but I just want to, the biblical evidence that I find shows that you and I, when this tribulation period begins, is that when that's when we are going to leave here. Now, there's some people that believe that we'll leave here in the middle of the tribulation. There's some that believe we'll leave here, uh, the church will leave here at the end of tribulation. But biblical signs show us that we will leave here prior to this thing taking place. And as you'll see, Christians will be aware of the surrounding. That's why Jesus said, there's a sign. Be aware there's a sign. I'm coming back. There's a sign. Be aware. Not the signs. See, the problem is many Christians, they reverse the Scripture. These shall follow these signs that believe. And that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture doesn't say these will follow these signs that believe. The Scripture says these signs shall follow them that believe. And so when they start looking to the return of Jesus, they're looking for these signs. and They're looking for, the, what can I see? But there, there's a singular sign here to understand the return of Jesus. And so he's discussing this with them, and he's, he brings up the tribulation. And, you know, the first three and a half years of tribulation, uh, Jesus calls the beginning of sorrows. And you, uh, you have to understand, again, without going through a long Bible study, Jesus likens that early part as, as the, the early signs or the early pains that a woman has in childbirth. The, the, the pains begin in, in a, maybe not a mile because I can't tell you if it's mild or not because I've never had those pains. But they, they begin in a mild form, but as childbirth gets closer, the pains get more closer together and the pains get a little stronger. And, and, and you know, it comes to a point where you realize birth is about to happen. And that's what's going to happen in tribulation. As, as when it begins, there'll be some pains that go on and there'll be some, some understanding and they'll get closer and closer. And, and, and you'll see that uh, Jesus tells us there'll be false messiahs that come and wars and famines and these natural disasters and all of these things are going to happen. And then you understand that in the middle of tribulation with all the world disasters and all these things that are going on, Antichrist will take center stage and he'll have the answer. He'll actually bring about peace in the earth. Something you'll notice about Antichrist in Scripture is that he duplicates everything that Jesus did. Duplicates. You see, that's, that's, what, that's what the devil wanted in the beginning. The devil didn't want to overtake God. He, but he wanted to be worshipped like God's worshipped. So he, was, he wasn't there to overtake the Lord. He was there to be beside him and be his, you know, everybody worshipped you, and so everybody worshipped me like that, and you know, that got him removed from his place. So understand this, the Antichrist is coming. He's going to have these answers to these problems, and all the things that are besieging mankind brings peace, but then something unfolds in the last three and a half years of this tribulation period. What unfolds becomes devastating because he then sets up himself in the temple to be worshipped, and the Jews will have none of that. The Jews, the reason the Jews rejected Jesus was because that Jesus was, well, he was a man. He was a man that God in the flesh. The Jews said, nuh-uh. 
It's never happened before. It's never going to happen. We're not. That's, that's why they rejected Jesus, is that they did not believe. And so what's going to happen in the middle of tribulation, this man sets him up as God to be worshipped, and the Jews say it again. Uh-uh. We don't believe that God comes in flesh. And so that's when we find that... Uh, the scary part about the book of Revelation that many people in the church get shook up by and get afraid by, and I'm only prefacing what I want to talk about today with this because it's very important. Because most of us are looking at these things, and we're looking for these signs, and we're looking for these events, and we're looking, but there's, that's not what we're even supposed to be looking for. So understand this. Antichrist decides, you know what? Since you won't worship me, Call the armies, and he calls all the armies, and they come together. They come to a place, the Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, and they're there to make war against Israel because the Jews will not bow to this man. And that's when Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, a lot of people have the, the reference to that rapture, which is not it's in the Latin, but the second coming of Jesus is when Jesus comes back at Armageddon, and that's where he puts his feet on the ground, and he destroys these armies. He, he places the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet in the lake of fire, and he, he binds up the devil for a thousand years. This is Jesus' physical return to earth. The rapture is not Jesus' second coming or the physical return to earth. We meet him in the clouds. So there's something, there's a reason I'm saying this because there, there, there's a in our society today, in the biblical world in, in America, there's been such a turmoil and turnover, if you will, of understanding of what we're supposed to be looking for. Because ready or not, here he comes. Ready or not. So what would she be, ready or not? Which one? Uh, pretty easy, huh? Pretty easy question. Okay. Boy, you're with me. I'm just Verses 32 through 35 in chapter 24 are the parable of the fig tree. It tells uh, that, that his coming is near at the door. His coming is near at the door. Uh, who's the door? Jesus is the door. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the door. And Jesus is the door. Later on, Jesus will talk about how, in parable, how that there comes a time when he shuts the door. And when he shuts the door, they come knocking. And see, I can't open the door now. You know, the sign has happened that it's over. The door's closed. There's no more reopening the door. And it's important to understand Ready or not, here he comes. It seems as though as Jesus is teaching here and he's talking to his disciples that he's geared mostly toward believers in his discussion. He does speak about evil and unbelievers, but, but if, as we'll examine here, there's something we really need to look at in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, in his teaching, he directs us to be ready when he comes. Be ready when... Let's read verse 42 again. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord cometh. We should be watching for His return. Do we wa are we watching daily for His return? Now, the Greek word for watch here means to keep awake, be vigilant. To keep awake, be vigilant. Well, Pastor, you know, I sleep at night. That's, that, we're not talking about that kind of awake. But an awareness, an understanding that there's a sign that's coming. There's a sign that He's coming. There's a sign that He's coming. Watching doesn't mean we stand still with our heads. You remember in Acts chapter 1 is, why stand you here gazing? They all saw Jesus go up, and so, you know, they're all still, wow. I, I would imagine I would have done the same thing. No, none of us have ever seen that, right? We've never seen someone just, whew. So I can understand that, but 
the angel said, well, why are you doing that? Because, you know, he's going to return the same way. So, so don't be standing here gazing. That's, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what you're watching for, standing gazing. And it doesn't mean that we stand. It means we're awake, we're alert, we're vigilant. We're ready for his return. What does it mean to be vigilant? What does it mean to be vigilant? Vigilant. Well, a lot of people have a lot, but when you get to the understanding, it means to take all actions necessary in preparation for an event. To be, to be vigilant. Take all action necessary to be prepared for an event. And we're supposed to be vigilant about the coming of the Lord. We're supposed to take all action necessary to be prepared for His return. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, I'm prepared, I'm ready. <clears throat> We're supposed to be watching for Jesus. Everybody agree with me on that? Anybody disagree with that? I want to get off that part and move on. But we got, we're supposed to be watching for Jesus. Here's what's disturbing to me about many Christians today in America. We're more actively trying to figure out and watch for the Antichrist than we are for Jesus Christ. We're trying to figure out who he is, where he's coming from, what he's going to do, and we're more actively pursuing and trying to understand Antichrist over Jesus Christ. And there's a problem with that because Jesus never once told us to pursue or to try to find out or discover or understand who Antichrist is. He never challenged us to do that. He never said that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be watching for him. But it's disturbing in the Christian world the number of books that are written about who he is, what he's going to do, all of these things, and we're, not, we're totally involved in something we don't need to be involved in at all. That's not Knowing who the Antichrist is is not going to prepare you for Jesus Christ coming. Not going to, oh, yeah, if I know who he is, then I'm going to get right. No, you're going to get left. That's what's going to happen. When you engage, and, and that's what you're, the premise of your understanding, your thought process, your spiritual life is all trying to figure these things out, you're on the wrong boat. You're sailing in the wrong direction. And you're on the water, and you're glad to be on the water. You don't realize your ship, your ship is going the wrong direction. Now understand something. First of all, we're to be watching for Jesus, not for anti-Jesus. There's a lot of anti-Jesus. Jesus said there are many, many Christ. There are many anti-Christ. They've been around for a long time. Don't try to figure it out. And don't, you know, what happens? Let me ask you a question. Somebody, so God tells you today that, uh, I'm just going to use him. He's not president anymore. That Donald Trump is actually anti-Christ. God tells you that. Now, if you went around saying that, there are going to be some people that go, yeah, you know, by his actions, I get that. But are they going to believe you? If you not, you know, well, who told you that? Well, God told me. Uh, okay. See, figuring out who Antichrist is is of non-importance. Boy, I knew this. Why are we giving any attention to Antichrist? I'm going to get off of this. Y'all stick, stick with me. We know we will eventually. He's going to eventually appear, right? Scripture says he will. He is eventually going to do everything Scripture says he's going to do. No doubt about it. Why do we want to figure out who, when, where, and why? Why, why would we? I know I understand rhetorical, but. Why? Ask yourself, why am I trying to figure that out? Can I, can, can I go a little deeper here before I get off of this? Do you think taking this or getting that or taking this shot or taking that chip, do you think that is the mark of the beast? Friend, if you're worried about the mark of the beast, you're not looking for Jesus Christ. 
Matter of fact, if you're so concerned about that, you're so convinced about that, guess what's going to happen? Well, I know this is pretty direct. This is called discipline. Make it plain. Christians are so afraid of getting the mark of the beast. Can I share something with you in Scripture? The mark of the beast is not going to sneak up on any Christian. You see, there's a sign. There's a sign that we can understand. Jesus is coming. And the mark of the beast is not going to sneak up on you. Oh, I'm, I'm not taking that shot. I'm not telling you to take a shot or not. Don't, some of you are looking at me like you're, well, you're mad as a wet hen. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. We're so engaged in things that have no eternal promise. And we think we're preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord. When in fact, we're walking further and further and further away. Do you believe God watches over His own? Do you believe God takes care of His own? Do you believe God is very revelatory? He's revelatory when you want it to be revealed though. If you don't want it to be revealed, the revelation won't be there. Listen, don't, don't worry about the mark. Don't worry about by our cell. Jada's going to hate this. Y'all come out, we'll, we'll grow a garden and kill some deer and eat some fish. You'll have a place to go. You'll have something to eat. If you're worried about it, we'll walk, we're, we're, why are we paying attention to this stuff? Well, there's a reason. As a Christian, our due diligence, our preparation is to be watching for Jesus and watching for Jesus alone. That's our due diligence. Here's, well, here's the hilarious thing about God. God spoke into my spirit. That he, he spoke this into my spirit last night. He said, they're not going to like this. They're not going to like this. You know why? Because I didn't like it. God knew directly when he was speaking to me about, okay, you're, you're not going to like this either, but you need to get something straight about being pastor. You, you need to involve yourself in me. I'm coming. And don't involve yourself in the other stuff because it's taken away from your prep time. It's taken away from you. If you want to beat, beat a boxer, Bishop used a boxer this morning. If you want to beat a boxer, here's the best way to do it. Send somebody into the camp that kind of messes up his training. Maybe he doesn't run 20 miles. Maybe he runs 10. And maybe he doesn't hit the speed bag. He just hits the heavy bag. Maybe he doesn't spar. Maybe he watches somebody spar and think, that's how I'm going to fight. But he never gets in there. And, and if you've never boxed, you'll understand that if you don't spar, you're going to get whipped. Sparring is part. And that, part of the preparation of being a great fighter. Part of the pre, Understand what it means to be pre, in preparation here. Our preparation has to be in word and prayer. Our preparation has to be in understanding of one another, of unity. That's our preparation. It's not about finding all these other things out. If we find out, great, marvelous. But that's not the preparation that we're supposed to be in, involved in. As well, I'm hearing this notion we should be looking from a new word. From this, this is a phrase. It's a phrase that's in Christianity right now. I have a new word from the Lord. Be, be very careful about a new word from the Lord. Well, we're in the 21st century now, and, you know, that was back then, and it's 2,000 years, and so God's given us a new word from the Lord. It's, listen, that should alert you and alarm you when somebody speaks that into your life. I've got a new word from the Lord. Even be careful when somebody speaks to you, I have a word from the Lord. I already have a word from the Lord. He's already given me a word. If you want to give me a word, God bless you, I love you, but I'm not going to take much on your word. I'm sorry, I love you, 
but I'm going I'm to go to the book when it comes to these things. And I'm hearing this notion about this new word that, that's showing us the things that are coming. Why do we need a new word? We have the word. That's all we need. It's not that we need a new word. It's that we need to study the word. It's that we need to read the word. It's that we need to obey the word. You see, about, about a new word is this. You can forget about the old one. Th- those, that was for them. You've heard that one? Well, that was for the early church. They needed that. I, I don't need that. But they needed it. Well, guess what? We're still in the same church age. We're still in the same, we're still in the same group. Listen, the Bible's not hard to understand. Can, can, I, can I throw a little secret at you? If you think the Bible's hard to understand, you're going down the wrong path. You're going down. Well, I read it. I don't understand it. You're going down the wrong path. Well, Pastor, I've read, and I've heard people tell me this. I've read this and read this and read this. Can I take you over to the next threshold? Quit reading and start studying. Quit reading and start studying. Because it doesn't say read to show thyself approved unto God. It says study to show. The, and the reason many Christians are in trouble today is because we're doing a bunch of reading. We're not doing any studying. You know why there's so many conflicting reports about what it takes to be saved? It's because we're doing a lot of reading, but not a lot of studying. You know why there's so many conflicting reports about, well, it's okay to, you know, I'll just touch, I'm not going to go as graphic as Bishop, but you know, why there's so many different sexes? Because they're reading and not studying. For God so loved the world. So, so you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing or how you're doing it. God loves you. Yeah, have you heard that one? If in your heart you are actively seeking truth, you can be in the middle of a desert with nobody around you with God's Word, and God will expose Himself to you, show Himself to you, reveal Himself to you, and help you understand what you're reading. And if you can't understand it, he'll send somebody that'll help you. Ask Philip. He said, man, there's that, there's that dude driving in that chariot. How did Philip know to run up there? He, how did he know the guy on the chariot didn't understand what he was reading? He didn't. Boy, some of you are not following this. Philip had no idea. Philip acted in obedience to the Spirit of God. And when he jumped on the chariot with him, how would you like it if you're driving down the road, you're reading the Bible, you don't understand it, somebody flings the car door open and jumps in your car with you. Hey, dude, what are you doing? Uh, I'm reading this. Well, what, what, I don't understand what I'm reading, but I'm reading it. Well, what are you reading? And he, okay, well, I can help you understand it. We don't need a new word. We don't need a new word. If in your heart, your God will, He will show it to you. We're, we're glad to stand up and we're glad to have Wednesday nights and we're glad to talk Scripture. That's not what we're saying here. But understand something. God wants you to be personal with Him. Not personal with me so I can be personal with Him about you. Because that, does, that doesn't work. God wants you to be personal with Him not you be personal with me so that I can be personal with him about you. Oh, I thought you were the pastor. I am. That's not part of pastorship. Now, there is a very large church group 
that believes that I should listen to what you say and then I can forgive you and I can absolve you and all those things. I, I forgot the name off the top of my head. Anyway, but understand something. God intends for you to go to him, you to talk to him, you to get word, you to get spirit, you to get power. You, yeah. My job is to equip you. I'm not here to do it for you. There's not a coach in this world that ever gets on the field and plays. Not a coach in this world ever gets on the field and plays. He instructs, and then when the game happens, out go the players. He's on the side. He's watching to make sure he'll call a play. He'll see something that's not working. He'll say, listen, instead of going to that side, go to this side, and you can defend him better. But he never is on the field playing. And understand the thing about a pastor. Now, I am a Christian as well, so I am on the field. But understand this. In your life, I am not in the field of your life playing the game with you. You're playing your game. You're living your life for God on your field. And the pastor is going to try to equip you. But understand one of the worst things you can ever have as a coach is to have a player that has all this ability, but he's got his fingers in his ears and won't listen to a word you're saying. He runs out on the field, and it's a pass play, and he runs around like, what in the world's going on? There's a lot of Christians live their life that way. They, they, they don't, you know, the coach is coaching. They don't want to hear that, but they do want to get on the field, and then when the play goes awry, you know who they want to blame, right? Yeah, man, some of you have been pastors before. What I'm trying to say is here, if you're looking for Jesus, he's looking for you. If you're looking for Jesus, he's looking for you. If you're looking for anything else, in this last generation, there's many people that are looking for a new way of salvation. It was very simple in the beginning of the church. It was very simple. The way to be saved, the way, I'm not going to go through a long discourse. Jesus talked about being born again. Paul talked, about, talked later on about being saved. And the whole point and matter was you've got to be born again so that one day you can be saved. You know, there's a term that goes on, westernized Christianity. There's a term that goes on, you know, I, I was saved last year. Dude, what are you doing here? Did, did you die and come back? Because you're going to be saved when it's done. When you're done here is when you're going to be saved. Right now, you're in this field of play. You're born into the kingdom, and you practice kingdom principles. And in those kingdom principles, it, it's not that you work your way to heaven, but you obey God's Word. Part of obeying God's Word is looking for Him and His coming. The early church, I don't think misheard Jesus, I don't think they misunderstood Jesus. I think the early church went about teaching and preaching what Jesus told them to. As a matter of fact, I don't think it. I'm pretty sure of it because the Bible says that. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. Well, man, that cuts out about 90% of the world's religion. Neither is there salvation. Because even in Christianity, we have this deal going right now that there's various ways you can make it. There's various things you can do. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus is the way. Will you all agree with me there? You're starting to like it, I can tell. 
There's only one plan, and it's God's plan. There's only one. Some of you get nervous because you think I'm going to reach out to, I am going to reach out. There's one plan. It's God. It's not pastor's plan. My pastor, that's your interpretation. I don't have an interpretation. I, I don't interpret Scripture. The Scripture interprets itself. I study it for its interpretation. I study it for what it says. It's a revelation. I study it because it says what it says, and God says what He said. There's nothing else to be involved there. Would you all agree with me there? Y'all think I'm trying to trap you, don't you? It's not mom and dad's plan. It's not grandpa and grandma's plan. It's God's plan. It's been the same plan all along. For some reason, we've kind of changed the plan. For some reason, whatever that reason might be, we've tried to make it a certain thing in a certain way. The plan, Jesus said, is to be born again. You know, Nicodemus didn't even ask him that question. Nicodemus came to him and said, well, you know, man, we know you're of God. Nobody can do this stuff. And Jesus, look, cut to the chase. Listen, I don't, I'm not for small talk. Jesus wasn't for small talk. I'm not for small talk. He said, you know, you, you, you got to be born again. He, was, he went straight to the, that's what you got to love about Jesus. He didn't mess around. Went straight to the point. Maybe he knew his time was coming. Are you ready? Our time is coming. Ready or not, here he comes. We don't have time to mess around. We have, it's time for us to get to the point. Well, we went back down. Peter gave the people in Jerusalem the door to the plan. Peter gave the people in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 the door. Jesus is the door. And Peter gave them the door to the plan. Many of us old-timer Acts 2.38 was the plan. Acts 2.38 is not the plan, folks. It's the door to the plan. See, many, you know, it's, we used to make fun of people. Oh, if you accept the Lord, your personal Savior, you're saved. Oh, that's not even Scripture. But yeah, but if you repent, be baptized, and, and receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but we were doing the same thing they were doing. Taking a single Scripture and saying, that's the plan to be saved. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. He's the door. And Jesus said, to come through me, you got to be born again. So what does that mean? Nicodemus, you got to be born of water and the Spirit. First of all, Nicodemus said, how can I be born again? I'm a big, fat, jolly man, and I've been living here now for 55 years. How am I going to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, well, listen, big, fat, jolly man, you, you, don't, you misunderstood. You've got to be born. You've already been born. Now you've got to be born again. You've been born physically, but now you've got to be born spiritually. What is that? Be born of water and the Spirit. Then Peter, later on, Peter wasn't in that conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus. Peter wasn't there. He wasn't around. He wasn't listening in. He wasn't eavesdropping. He wasn't doing any of those things. It was Jesus and Nicodemus. Yet, when Peter spoke to the people in Jerusalem, he said, you know what? You guys have got to be born again of water and the Spirit. He just said it differently. Here's how you're born again. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Peter, in the name of cousin, in the name of uncle. No, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, the remission, the washing, the cleansing of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This opens you into the kingdom. Do you realize you can walk out of the kingdom? 
There were those in Scripture that walked out of the kingdom. They were in the kingdom. Oh, well, they, you know, our favorite thing, where I came from, was that, well, they never really were saved. They, can't, they were just trying to sneak in on the side. They never really believed in Jesus. If they were born again, they were in the kingdom. If they repented and they were baptized in water in the name of Jesus and received the Holy Ghost, they were in the kingdom. But there were those that walked away. Paul talks about them. The plan was to be born again, water and of spirit. Peter told those people, again, I won't repeat it. Listen, if Jesus is the door, if he's the door to salvation, and we have to enter the kingdom by him, doesn't it make sense that those that went after him after Jesus left would tell us how to do that? Wouldn't it make sense that they wouldn't be mistaken? But, look, here's the, here's the free ability to do this. Um, just We're so busy and so caught up in all this other minutiae. That, that we have forgotten this, the, the simple basic. Jesus made a statement several times, I'm coming, I'm coming soon, I'm coming quickly. The word quickly is not a time reference. The word quickly in the Greek is suddenly. He didn't give a time. Well, that generation, let me clear that one up for you too. The generation that sees this, so Jesus had to be wrong because that generation has been dead 2,000 years. The word generation means an error of time. It doesn't mean a specific generation, an era of time. We call it the church age. Somewhere in this church age, these things are going to go down and going to happen. The question is, ready or not, ready or not, here I come. Are you watching? Are you watching? Is your, di- is your day predicated upon Him coming? Is that, is that what you're watching for? Or is your day... Everything in your day go about everything else but watching for him. You see, that's what happened with Noah's group. Man, that dude preached for 117 years. As long as it took him to build that boat. 117 years. And how many did he win? Because they were so involved in their own life and world and their own evil, they wouldn't hear him. He was preaching a message nobody listened to. He was warning them, there's coming a judgment. Uh, you ever told somebody that Jesus is coming and the judgment's coming? That weren't believers and watched the reaction? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're... And that's what they were, Noah, no, you're 500 miles away from any water. They're all, you know, get, get, get the picture. They're all standing around every day having, you know, all that stuff and making jokes and carrying on and. They're doing all that. That's exactly what's going on today. And Jesus said, you know what? There's a sign. And exactly what's going on when I'm coming is exactly what was going on when Noah was preaching. That's, that's the world event. That's what's going on. Think about that a second. Think about where you're living today. Think about what, what you're living in. Jesus begins in verse 43 with this statement, but know this, but know this. In our vernacular today, it's, think of it this way. Let me make it plain to you. That's what, but know this means. Let me, let me be very plain to you. Let me ask a question. I'm going to finish up here. I've got a lot more, but. So, so let's just pretend this. Let's hope this is not happening. So there's a, a group of burglars that's working your neighborhood. Every night at 1 a.m. specifically, they have been breaking into a home. 
Not only that, in your neighborhood, they've systematically went from house to house to house at 1 o'clock every morning and breaking in home and burglarizing the home. They've hit every person on your street in order. They hit your neighbor's house last night. So now it's time for you to pack up, lock the doors, and go on vacation, right? That's not what you would do, and that's not what I would do. If I knew down my street the 10 houses that had been hit in a row at 1 a.m. in the morning, and my neighbor got hit last night, guess who's going to get hit tonight? We don't think of Jesus coming that way, though. We don't. Jesus is going to pass us by. That's how a lot of people in their mind perceive this. They don't watch for Jesus. Listen, if you knew that was happening, you'd lock every door. You'd put extra padlocks on. You would notify the police, hey, this has happened. This is what's happened. And would you come by and watch my house? You would do all of that stuff. You know what you'd do? You'd go, you'd go find the friend that has the Rottweiler, and you'd bring the Rottweiler. T- tonight, the Rottweiler is staying at my house. Because guess what's going to happen tonight? As a matter of fact, most of you would stock up on some Smith & Wesson insurance. You, you would, well, sure you would. You would be watching and waiting and ready at 1 a.m. Because you knew what was going down. And Jesus told us there's a sign We're not trying to tell you what day Jesus is coming. We're trying to tell you there's a sign. Something's going on in this world that tells us he's coming. So are you going to go on vacation? You want to lock up the house? You see, that's what the government wants us to do. Lock up the house and go on vacation. Now, Jesus uses the word thief for himself here. Now, Jesus is not coming to steal from you. He's not. The reference to thief isn't that he's a thief and he's stealing from you. The reference is the thief comes unexpectedly. So as believers, we've got to be prepared. The, the last generation that exits when Jesus comes, not going to know the day or the hour. But there is a sign that proceeds. The image of the thief in the night is found all throughout Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, For you know not... For, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Ready or not, here I come. Second Peter 3, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Ready or not, here I come. Revelation 3 and 3, remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. Do you know what the sign is? Have you figured it out yet? Have you figured it out? One more, Revelation 16 and 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Have you figured out the sign yet? It's when the church is not watching. That's when Jesus is going to come. It's when the church it's not The world's not watching at all, period. They don't care. When the church is not watching, Jesus is going to return. He spoke it over and over and over again. And finally, I end with this, verses 50 through 51. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he's not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And this, this when you read this, you're... You, Understand that all men and women, all people lost or saved are stewards of God. 
all are stewards. You're not born again, now you're a steward. God calls all humans to be stewards of what he's given them. That's why some people out in the world become very, they're not godly, but they become very good, become very good in their business. It's because they're taking the part that God gave them in talent and they're being a good steward with it. They're using it. They're just using it for self-gain. That's why they're able to do that. Listen, some, some of the stewards are openly hostile towards God. Look at it. All the stewards in the world, some are openly hostile towards God. Uh, and then there's some saying, well, my master, catch this, my master delays his coming. We're not talking about people outside of the church. My master delays his coming. Instead of using his time wisely, what does he do? He beats up the fellow servants. He, he gets drunk with the guys down the street. All, all that stuff. It's, it's, a, it's just an analogy, the pleasures of the world. And so here's what we find in verse 50. When the master comes, he cuts, he says he, says he cuts asunder. He literally cuts him in two. Two pieces. Cuts him into two pieces. You find this same situation in Exodus chapter 29, verse 17. When the offering of an animal sacrifice is made, when an offering for an animal sacrifice is made in Exodus, they cut the, they cut the animal in half into two pieces because it brings certain death and certain destruction. That's why they do it. And when the, when the master returns and he finds those whose master Y'all, I hope you're following. I don't want to be too. I told Bishop today, sometimes I think I, you know, I talk at my level, and y'all's level is here. I just want to make you, my level's down here. Make you understand what's going on here. Jesus is still talking to people that should be watching and are not. He's talking about us. We think, well, yeah, he's going to cut those evil people in half. His portion will be given to, to the hypocrite. Jesus is saying that there's an evil servant who, because he wasn't watching, he is then going to be put with the hypocrites. The evil servant doesn't necessarily say, I'm living for God. It's the hypocrite that says, I'm living for God, and is not. The evil servant never says, I'm living for God. He just says, my master's coming, and I'm, he's delaying it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why. But the evil servant... And the hypocrite are going to get the same punishment. So he didn't pretend to serve God. He was honest in his unbelief. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth is usually associated with severe pain, by the way. You ever, you ever had really bad pain? You know what a natural reaction to bad pain is? What if you had bad pain for the rest of eternity? What if you had to do that the rest of eternity? Your teeth never grind down. The pain never eases. I taught my brother-in-law Bible study. And in that Bible study, he came into the church. He, he, but he told me one day, he said, you know what? In that Bible study you taught me, the one thing I remembered that I could not stand was the fact that I would be in eternity going because of the pain. It depends on who you are. I understand this is not popular. I understand this is hard sometimes to listen to. But listen, this is very necessary. Are ready or not, here he comes. Are you watching? You see, to be ready doesn't mean I'm teaching Sunday school. To be ready doesn't mean 
that I'm singing up here. To be ready doesn't mean I'm preaching behind a pulpit. To be ready means I'm watching. I am watching. Mama's not. Pastor's not. Grandma's not. I'm watching. That, therefore, I know I'm ready. Watch ye, therefore. Be ready. Stand with me if you would. The wonderment of God is that He loves us so much that when He sees us in a predicament, He wants to help us escape the predicament. And He won't force us to do it. But He will give an allowance and show us how we can escape the predicament. And sometimes as the church, we need to be reminded again that just because we come to church and just because we do this and that, if we're not watching, let me reiterate what watching is really about. You know that 10 houses before you got hit. You know it happens every night at 1 a.m. in the morning. You know that they've, everything's, but you know all of these things. And so you're watching. What does that mean? You're preparing. You make pre- have you made preparation? Yes, sir. I've obeyed Acts 2.38. Y'all remember that sticker? Obey Acts 2.38. It's a good sticker. I'm not against that at all. What it should say, because it's the door that opens you to eternal life. It's the door that opens you to eternal life. There's a preparation. Because Jesus said, there are going to be people that say, my master delays his coming. That means there are going to be Christians that don't prepare and they quit watching. When you invite somebody to your house, what's the normal procedure after you invite them? You set a time. God only God knows the time. But you do other things around the house. Most of us, when we invite somebody over, we begin to clean the house a little bit. Normal than, really, more than we normally do while it's just us, right? Just us. We got stuff laying around over here. We got dishes piled over here. We got all this stuff going on. But if we've invited somebody over, oh man, all of a sudden, all the dishes need to be washed. All the clothes need to be hung up. The pillows need to, pillows need to be on the couch in the right place. We're very prepared for those that come, aren't we? What if we prepare for the coming of Jesus that way? Woo! What if we prepared for the coming of Jesus that way? God's reminding us of something here today, church. Don't get settled and don't get relaxed. But, but understand, Pastor, you know, I, I never heard that about being born again. You know, it, it, we, we pretty much all heard that. We, well, I never heard that about repentance. Well, most of us have. But man, you get, you get past repentance and you, you get into a worldology of the different ways to be saved. Well, there's only one way to be saved, and that's to be watching. what Jesus said. The only one way to be saved, that's to be watching. If you're not watching, you're going to get broke into. You're going to get surprised. You, mm-hmm. And when you turn around and all your stuff's gone, it's too late. You've already been broke into. And it's the same thing with Jesus coming. When He comes and you're not ready and you're not prepared and you're not aware, it's going to happen so fast and it'll be too late. My question today is this. Are you watching? 
Are you watching? Are you preparing? You see, Jesus spoke about something that I just, there's a faithfulness Jesus talked about. The faithful steward. The, we read it. The faithful steward gets what? Well, Jesus said this, you know, the words we all want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the small things, and because of that, oh, guess what's going to happen now? Here come the big things. There's a faithfulness. There's an understanding that we, being watchful means that we have to be faithful to God. Not faithful to pastor, not fa faithful to God. He's faithful to you. we got to be watching because he's, he's watching you. Thank God, huh? I'm glad He's watching for me and watching out for me. He alerted me once again. Don, don't get so caught up in him, Pastor, that you get broken into. Don't get so caught up in doing this thing every Sunday that you get broken into. Don't get caught up in all this. All of this stuff is fantastic. We do it. We do it for a reason because we're serving the Lord. But be caught up in watching being prepared, being prepared, being faithful. My best friend in high school, I'll never forget, it was a Saturday. He called me and he said, hey, can I come stay with you? And I said, sure. What, what's going on? He goes, well, I hate to ask you this, but can I stay with you for a while? And I said, well, sure, my parents won't care. I mean, we had people all the time. And he said, well, I'm not sure how long. I said, well, what's happened, Malcolm? He said, well, our house burned down last night. And I don't have anywhere to go. And so we're just kind of looking. He had two sisters and himself and his mom and dad. We're just looking for a place we can stay until we can get things going. I said, man, what happened? He said, well, we didn't have an alarm. And when, it start, when the smoke started happening, we didn't have an alarm. And, you know, before we knew it, we were out in the yard watching our house burn down. Sometimes God sends us an alarm. That's what today is. It's an alarm. It's just telling us He's coming. He's coming. Anybody in here been living for God over 40 years? I just made that over 40 years. Just made that over 40 years. What's the easiest thing that happens to us? We become... We've been watching now for 40 years, haven't we? And we become complacent. We quit watching, and we get involved in all the other stuff. That's, that's the beautiful thing about new converts. Man, they immediately think Jesus is coming tomorrow. And they're ready. So we just have to be alarmed. We have to be reminded. What I would hate to know, and I don't know that we'll know this or not, but I'd hate to know this that somehow I would be able to see if I was in heaven and see anybody that I ever knew loved or cared for doing that because of the... I don't think we'll see that, but you know what? I grew up thinking I was saved, and I found out at a point in time I wasn't. So, you know, just because you think it, don't, you know, get, get in that book. That book will tell you about it. Man, wouldn't that be horrible? Wouldn't that be horrible? 
Jesus said of the seed that he, you put in the ground, there's four different ways it was put in the ground and only one of them took. Statistical people do this. Look around you. Look around you. Are you the one in the four that took? Are you the one, or are you the three out of the four that didn't? That, that seems a little, but, but we have to consider ourselves. Am I watching? Am I preparing? Am I faithful to Him? I've been in church long enough to get to backslide. I've been in church long enough to backslide. Pastor Don backslid. I'll just be, Jason did it, I'll do it, transparent. Pastor Don backslid. I've been in church long enough to not think God really cares. I didn't think God really cared. I've been in church long enough to think that I don't have to go with everybody else. I don't have to be in church with other people. If I, if I it's me, I'm going to, you know. Sometimes we just come to that place and God just said, He said, Behold, I knock. He's knocking today. I went off these altars. Some days I'm so sure that I'm going to make it that I can't hardly. And then some days I think everybody's going to make it but me. Sometimes in my life I, I feel so close to God and sometimes I feel so far away. Sometimes I think, you know, I've been doing the things I'm supposed to do and watching and sometimes I think, man, I am totally out of the loop. Why is that? Well, it's just one reason. I'm in a spiritual battle. There's spiritual warfare going on. And the enemy wants to steal my joy and give me fear. And so sometimes God just wants to reiterate to us, listen, be ready, be watching. I'm coming for you. You know what Jesus is saying to you today? Be ready, be watching. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. He sees you this morning. He said, I'm coming for you. Be watchful. Be waiting. Be ready. Lord Jesus, I am in a house of people that love you, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you just remind us again to be at watch. Lord, don't let me get so tied up in what's going on outside and who Antichrist is and marks and all of that kind of stuff. It's good to study your word, Lord, and to try to decipher things that are being said, but don't let that overtake my mind. Don't let me live in fear that I'm going to be taking a mark or that I, I, I am receiving the devil into my life because I'm doing this or doing that. God, I have to believe. I have to have faith and trust in you. You said you would keep me. You said you would keep me. And so I'm here today at your altar, God, because I believe you're going to keep me, that things aren't going to slide into my life. The only way that's going to happen is if I'm not watching. So make us as a church watchful. Make us as a church watchful. Those in other parables you told said that those that were watching would go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Why is that? Because they were being watchful. 
There were those that had their lamps full of oil, and then there were those that had none. Why were they full of oil? They were watchful. They knew you were coming. They were watchful. Lord, we don't know when you're coming. We don't know the hour, the time, the day. We understand, God, that that's not a principle we need to know. God, help us not to be so ingrained that we're trying to figure those things out, that we're trying to take this word and that word and put it together so that we can have an answer to it. No one one knows. Lord, help me to be watchful. Help me to prepare myself. God, help us as a church to be delving into your word. We see this season we've come into, Lord. And we know, God, part of this season is that we have to entrust in you that the Spirit of God is the revealer of all truth. Thank you for people that listen to our words as we speak. Thank you. But, Lord, I pray that they're watchful, that they go home. And because they're watchful, they look in that word. And they study it. And they look at it. They examine it. God, that they're faithful to it. That we'd all be watching, Lord. That's my prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.